Welcome to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. This week, we start our American Royal prep with Lauren Hill with the Smokin' Hills. Lauren and Cheryl are some of the best people in barbecue, and they sure can cook. Winners of the American Royal and the World Food Championships, there's a lot of good tidbits in this podcast from Lauren. So please join me in welcoming Lauren Hill. The Barbecue League is the ultimate barbecue experience, and here's why. One small annual investment from you instantly unlocks all 70-plus tell-all recipes, enthusiast recipes, restaurant tours, and more in their unmatched library. This isn't your typical YouTube-type content. World champions like Getting Basted, Shake and Bake Barbecue, Heavy Smoke Barbecue, La Pasadita Barbecue, and 913 Barbecue share their full tell-all recipes. No secret is left unsaid, and a new video release is guaranteed every single week of your membership. You'll also see unfiltered looks from all levels of pitmasters during their live competition coverage, and those same pitmasters are accessible through the league's upbeat online community. As soon as you sign up, you'll also have a full arsenal of some of the best discounts in barbecue from brands like Snake River Farms, Blues Hog, Big Papa Smokers, Gunter Wilhelm, Gateway Drum Smokers, and more. The Barbecue League puts on members-only contests throughout the year, hosts live and virtual events, and offers a full-access league lounge at participating events. Our listeners to this podcast can receive $10 off of the $100 annual membership this month only, well, this month and leading up to the Royal, by using the code AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. That's AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. You don't want to miss this content and all of this learning. It is one hell of an investment. Well, whenever we started putting the list of all the people that we wanted to have on here on the podcast, your name was uh, one of the first ones mentioned. And I said, like, you know what? Let's get a bunch of them under our belt first because I, I really, I, you hold a special place in my heart, Lauren. Uh, just how nice you and Cheryl always were to us, especially down at World Foods and just watching you guys and the successful run that you had there for a few years that you continue to have. We've been really blessed to call you guys friends. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. I appreciate that. We feel the same way, man. <laughs> World Food was an experience of a lifetime for both of us. It was. It was. And, you know, it <laughs> You know, I'm trying to figure everything out. And the next thing I know, I'm sleeping in, in a room in your guys' condo. And just, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on, but hey, we're going to just roll with this. So <laughs> so what would you say, speaking of world food and, you know, you've won a lot of big things. What was your biggest turning point as a pit master, you think? Actually, I would say... Well, it might be a coincidence, but I don't think it was because, you know, we always cooked on WSMs and we had great success on the WSMs. And then uh, March of 2015, Brad actually gave us a gateway drum at a contest. It was kind of a funny story. They had a turkey category and, uh, or not turkey, excuse me, a sausage category. And you needed to cook it on a gateway. So Cheryl cooked the sausage on a gateway and ended up winning sausage. So Brad came down the next morning and said, just keep the drum. So that was <laughs> gateway and within two months, we had two more. So, and then obviously that same year we went on to the Royal and 
won the Invitational and went to World Food and won it. So, you know, it's kind of a testimony to Gateway Drum Smokers. Right, and they've kind of, you know, everybody thought that that fad would ban would burn out, yeah. and uh, and it hasn't. I mean, it's and it's not going to ever. Um, I I cook my chicken on a drum now, and uh, I, I'll never stop doing it just because I love the flavor that it gives it, and uh, it's really crazy how the Gateway Drum has a has. It's really with that and all the work that those guys do, it's really lessened the learning curve for a lot of people that are jumping into competition barbecue right now. Yeah, and and it was really short for us, Luke, because I I overslept at a contest by four hours. One we had local here in Kansas City, and Cheryl came home for the night and spent the night at the house, and I stayed at the contest. And she said, "Whatever you do, don't miss your wake call." Well, I'm at the two o'clock wake up call and woke up at six. Start <laughs> four hours behind, and she shows up at like seven thirty, and she says, "How's it going?" And I said, "I don't know. I just put the meat on." <laughs> <laughs> Not happy. But we ended up winning grand that day, and with the seventy team contest and. Ever since then, it's like, why do I need to sleep? It. Why do I need to get up at two a.m.? We can do this at six. So I started cooking at six WSMs, and so the natural progression to the gateways was easy. Yeah, I think we all started on Weber Smoky Mountains. When you look back at it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had a, a new team next to us this last weekend at the contest, and they had three gateways and an offset to do their chicken. And I said, man, you guys are smart for, for team just starting. You got three, three WSM sitting there. I said, you can't beat that. Right. It's, and it's, it's, man, I wish I still had my original one. I had that thing all tricked out. <laughs> all the, all the stuff that you could buy for it. I had it all. <laughs> had the, the heavy door on it and everything else, huh? All the all the probe holes and everything. I had it all. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've still got seven of them in the basement. So. <laughs> oh, wow. How many drums are you up to these days? I've got eight gateway drums. Eight. I remember the, I think it was the first time we met. Might have been at the gateway class in Kansas City. That was before the banquet one year. Yep. I think that's where we met. Yep. And then uh and then we got closer through World Food and through we were both friends with Jerry Stevenson with uh Redneck Scientific and I'm just glad that you're back out there cooking, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, the contest in June is our favorite contest ever. You know, everybody's got their favorites and and it's one of those contests that really liked us. So it's like we're not gonna miss Marysville, Kansas. We're gonna go. So right. we hadn't cooked in a year and a half and showed up there and it still likes us. So <laughs> <laughs> been out twice this year and got two reserves. Yeah. Yeah. So, so life is good. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a superstitious guy? Do you have a lot of habits and routines that you do from week to week? Uh, not a whole lot, Luke, but you know, probably the, the one that, 
kind of sounds crazy. I mean, and, and actually Darren Worth and I learned this in Arizona as they do their 707 beer. So I'm known, right. I'm known in Kansas City as the 707 beer guy. <laughs> one, one tradition we have, and I mean, we always have to wear our team shirts on, on Cook Day and the awards. So, I mean, that's really the only two we have. <laughs> the seven i've had a few 707 beers they started with everybody together and of course then you got to have the 1022 shot and the 922 shot <laughs> right then the 10 10 o'clock lucky beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> by the time you get the turn-ins you're hammered <laughs> yeah so the, during the week when you're getting ready for a competition, do you do the same stuff on the same days? Yeah, I try to, depending on the schedule. But, you know, normally normally Thursday is my trim day. Tuesday, Wednesday is the is the, the running around, getting the rubs, sauces, and and the meats procured because, you know, we, we, we order our briskets in, but anything else we just buy from the local bridge which has got a real concern these days. <laughs> yeah, but you guys are blessed that you have a bunch of people out there that understand competition barbecue and meat quality, and you're able to get a lot of good stuff at your grocery stores. Yeah, yeah and I mean, you know, we got one main source. One, the grocery store closest to our house carries all prairie fresh products, so we can buy our butts and ribs there, and, you know, which makes it easy. And most of the time, we even have the chicken there we put. So, I mean, I mean, in the, the briskets, you know, Kevin down at Butcher Shop, he's real good about chipping us out good quality briskets. I mean, so it's pretty easy, actually. That's good. So one of the things that a lot of people like to talk about on these podcasts are successes. I like to talk about failures. Do you have a favorite failure of yours during a contest that really helped you have success further on down the line? Well, I learned you definitely need to, you don't want to put the meat in the motorhome fridge two or three days prior to the contest because that fridge has to shut off. It's pretty ugly when you get to the open. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that we had that a little bit of that happened a few weeks ago. Our fridge died on us and, Luckily, we still hadn't moved anything yet, but uh, it's been an ordeal. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, we've had a, other failures where things didn't go quite right, but, you know, you're going to have those as many competitions as we used to cook. I mean, it's to be expected that you're going to have some failures along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you think your career and life experiences outside of barbecue have prepared you to be a pit master? Well, I mean, you know, I had to be a a fairly good time manager in my previous position. I was a district manager, so I was my own boss. So, you know, when you're on your, your own boss like that, it's easy to get lazy and not worry about it. So I really had to manage my time to stay on top of my job and, and get things done. So, and obviously, we important time frames are in the barbecue world. Absolutely. And time management, especially during the week leading up, but also while you're there, right. so important. 
to give yourself the time to do what you need to do, get done. Right. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the gateway drums. Do you think those are the best investment that you've made in competition barbecue? Well, I can't say that because you, you know, you look at the major championships and there's that other Jambo brand stuff all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No disputing that the Jambos are a great product. And I mean, but you know, the way I kind of look at a Jambo is most anybody that's cooking on a Jambo has come up to the rank, gone through the WSMs, gone through the offsets of various brands. So they're already good cooks, really good cooks by the time they, they get the, the granddaddy, the Jambo. So I think much of it has to the quality of pitmasters cooking on them versus the actual product itself. Right, right. Which, and it's fun to talk about the big expensive things that we spend money on, but I like to talk about the cheap things. Pits and stuff are expensive. Do you have any purchases of $100 or less? Something small that really has helped your cook and really made things easier? Yeah, I've got to say thermo pen or an eye grill. I mean, I use both of them. I mean, rather than having to keep opening a smoker, especially with the eye grill, I I got the, the four probe eye grill and you can just plug it in the meats and monitor monitor it till it gets close and then you go okay it's time to get the thermo pin out and check it yeah and i i use the thermoworks chef alarms i really like those a lot and uh a lot of people accuse me that my jambo looks like a spider because <laughs> it's got so many things coming out of it but um it's uh i just i like to know when i'm in the ballpark you know right. it it helps you. It's not anything that you should live by. And sometimes I am guilty of that, but I just letting me know where I am. I think, I think having that knowledge is just one more data point that is really good for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you can get away from you so fast if you're, if you're constantly monitoring it. So, you know, I'm not the kind, I, I don't want to open my pip every five minutes and check Tim. So <laughs> all right. Do it. Right. Oxygen at the, at the drum level is, <laughs> that can be bad. It can be really bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I how bad it is. <laughs> right. So who do you think has impacted your life most in competition barbecue? Well, that's a tough one because there's been tons of people that have mentored us through the years. I mean, originally, uh, Phil Hopkins from Smoking Guns was a huge help to us. And then later down the road, competing more, and he wasn't competing as much. I would have to say Darren Worth because, I mean, Darren's been a, been a good friend, and I've gone to comps and cooked with Darren. And, I mean, the guy's just full of knowledge. And, I mean, it's the textbook. <laughs> you know, if he were ever to write it all down, one, it would take forever, but yeah. two, two, just the stuff that he knows. And if you talk about a problem you're having with a meat, he can usually steer you through that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing when well, you hear, and you can't answer Darren on the next one because it's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and, and, and you know, for the years, I mean, what I found is guys that if they have a problem and something's not quite right, the ability to fix it. I mean, and, and there was another gentleman, a friend here in Kansas City that when we first started barbecuing in 2006, he won virtually every contest we went to. His name's Mark Greco. He's with four men and a pig. Mm-hmm. Not people know him on the circuit these days because they weren't around back when he was winning all the time. But the guy is a master of fixing stuff. I mean, we burn our chicken. He's like, here, Lauren, this is what you need to do. <laughs> you know? And that's where I, that, that kind of separates the playing field of the guys that can fix their mistakes versus the guys that go, oh, well, you know, it's not good and don't even try to fix it. Right. And I, I think that in terms, there's a lot of common themes that have come up on these interviews. And I think one of them is, uh, and Tim actually was one of the first people to say it on here was don't ever give up on a piece of meat. There's always something you can do to make it better. Yeah. And, and I mean, Tim's got to scramble a lot of contest. (laughs) He tends to to drink a little alcohol sometimes and (laughs) things aren't quite right, but he's the master of fixing them. (laughs) He really is. (laughs) So in terms of when you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to your mind? Well, that's pretty easy too. Yeah. <laughs> I think Tim's name's already come up, but I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you know, and for example, Tuffy Stone. I mean, the guy, the guys won the majors. I mean, he's so successful. I got to bring up Brad Leiniger. I mean, you know, most people you'll see will go one or two two years strong on the circuit, and then they kind of have that lull. Yeah, he's been going strong for seven years. Yeah, and it's impressive how successful he is all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's not just the flavor that that he's just winning in one part of the country or or something. <laughs> Hi, Odin. <laughs> um, he's he does it everywhere and uh it's really really it's something to watch i got to be with him uh two weeks ago in alabama and uh we had a great time together and i always learn stuff from him uh he's he's another guy that's got a ton of knowledge yeah well and, and both him and tim you'll find they've got the best taste buds on them i mean they can taste a piece of meat and they know exactly you know, what they need to adjust, if it be salt level or spice level, whatever it might be. Yeah. And palate and taste is something that, you know, I think that I struggle with and just watching those guys go through that process. It's, and I encourage anybody that's out there listening, spend time developing your palate, trying different foods and trying different things. It really can come in handy in this thing. (laughs) Right. So what's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Um, I would say it's all the friendships, Luke. I mean, we've got friends all over the world. And when we first started, I I would have never guessed that. I mean, you know, (laughs) thousands of friends. Like, you know, I'm so looking forward to going to the American Royal this year because unfortunately we won't see the worldwide friends, but 
but you know the friends across the nation i mean it'll be our only chance to see them because obviously we're not traveling to florida or california anymore or arizona whatever it might be so i mean it's the people i mean just how many people we've become friends with yeah yeah it is staggering to think about it when you can uh you can be like hey i might go to austria and cook something you know people there or england or exactly (laughs) what do you think separates a good pit master from a great pit master Probably their dedication to it would be my answer. I mean, you got to be dedicated to, to be really good. And, you know, you can't, you, you can't cook one or two, three, four contests a year and think you're going to be really good because generally that just doesn't happen. I mean, you got to build that consistent throughout the year. Yeah. I always tell people, if you really want to learn about your cook and learn about yourself, cook four weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cook I four mean, weeks. Yeah. Several years ago, we did 40 competitions and it's like, no, we, we can't do that anymore. I mean, it's just, it's a full-time job at that point. Yeah. I don't know that we'll ever get up to that level again. Uh, we were there for a couple of years and, uh, I don't, I don't, like you said, it's harder and harder and it's, it's hard to stay focused that many weekends a year. Yeah. And, and I don't know anybody that has a full-time job, how it's possible. I mean, you got to really (laughs) full-time job and they're still doing 30, 40 competitions a year. Yeah. That's, that's really hard to do. So if there was a a young guy that was in your neighborhood and he was getting ready to enter the world of competition barbecue, what advice would you give him? Take a class. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, back when, when, you know, I mentioned two people earlier, uh, Phil Hopkins and Mark Grieco, back when they started, there wasn't any classes. You had to learn it on your own, but it's almost impossible. I mean, it takes so long and the, the money invested in going out and finishing bottom of the pack every week, trying to learn the thing, you're better off just spending the money up front and taking a class. It really does eliminate a lot of the learning curve. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're seeing it now, especially a lot of people are signing up for the barbecue league and going out and doing well in contests. You yeah. Know? The information you need is right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let me back less than a hundred dollar investment. Yeah. Something everybody should have is, is a little craftsman toolbox with all their rubs in it. I mean, that's something I picked up from Darren. And when we had taken a year and a half off of the barbecue scene, I was going back through my head. What rubs did I use and what did I use it on? And, I opened my toolbox with the rubs in it and here they all were. And it's like, oh yeah, use that, 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 and that on pork. I use that on chicken, you know. <laughs> so that's one of the best investments ever. The you know, $14.99 toolbox from Sears. <laughs> right. And we we actually have a box too that that's been really helpful with all of that stuff. 
it's uh yeah. and keeping everything together so one of the things that really i've noticed the few times that we've cooked around each other is that you are quite the confident cook you don't get nervous you don't get flustered you just you just do it you know where does that confidence come from well i mean it's just just a matter of doing it so long luke i mean and and if you get all flustered and panicked that's when you're going to run into problems so I mean, you just kind of got to go with the flow. Like this week, I, I really fought getting chicken done. So I just had to do what I had to do. I mean, I had those drums running pretty hot and was really <laughs> worried about skin looking like a little hockey puck on top. But, but we managed to pull through it. <laughs> As Tim, always, Tim and Brad always say, half an hour is an eternity on a drum. Yeah. <laughs> You can do just about anything you need to do in a half an hour. Right, right. Well, let's get into some of these rapid fire questions. These are my favorite questions. I think they're fun. What do you see on about barbecue on social media that bothers you? That's a good question. Probably that people saying that it doesn't they you don't have to cook a, a wagyu brisket to do well. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know too many people cooking choice brisket corn. <laughs> right. And people always tell me, oh, I, I'm going to start cooking primes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Not kind sure. of fun. Because back in the day, I mean, you were you were cooking some really good briskets if you were cooking a prime. <laughs> yeah. Back then, there was a company here in, in Kansas, Creekstone Farms. And, I mean, we ordered our primes from them. And. It was like, wow. I mean, I think we finished fifth in team of the year that year with brisket, cooking, cooking prime briskets. It won't happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're probably right about that. Do you have a favorite pre, during, or post-competition meal? Uh, well, I'm kind of a, a Mexican kind of person. So, I mean, Taco Bell's not very uncommon after a barbecue competition. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Cheryl's fine with that? Yeah, Cheryl's not a, a Taco Bell fan. She's more <laughs> she's she's a little more foo-foo eater than what I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We need to have Cheryl on the podcast. Kim and Kim and Leanne interview teammates and and uh get stories about the pitmasters from the teammates. I think oh, cool. we need to we need to have Cheryl on. I think it'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she will do the, the tacos every now and then, but it's not one of her favorites. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Ooh. Ooh. Well, generally, I'm the kind of guy that I have no idea what to buy him. So it'll be a gift card or cash. <laughs> <laughs> but there you point. go. All right, last one. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions of people, what would it say? That's a that's a hard question. I know. <laughs> How about smile? Life's too short. That's a great one. You know, and it's funny how, you know, we always talk about how great the barbecue family is and the people are. And 90% of the messages that come through on this podcast from people 
are really just about smiling and being happy and and things like that and i think that that just further puts in concrete you know how great the barbecue community is so yeah yeah i mean there's there's nothing like it <laughs> i mean i had very many bad eggs in the in the 15 years we've been cooking i mean yeah there might be a couple along the way but for the amount of people that we've met i mean it's peanuts it's it's less than a percent yep absolutely well lauren it has been a pleasure my friend hey been a pleasure being on the show anytime and like you say get cheryl on sometime and i mean <laughs> Oh, if that's a good idea on my part, but she might say some things. <laughs> but that's it, could, it could be entertaining. <laughs> they usually are. They usually are very entertaining. We have a. We just interviewed Jeff uh, Vanderlindy with Shiggin and Grinnin. Yeah. And the girls are going to interview Teddy and Derek. So. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be an interesting one. <laughs> Yep. Yep. All right, my friend. Well, we'll see you here in a few weeks. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast and share it out with all your friends. Also be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week for companies interested in advertising. Please contact old Virginia smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster and old Virginia smoke podcast is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster and old Virginia master and old Virginia smoke podcast is a property of old Virginia smoke LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. Old Virginia Smoke.